Welcome to Afterthoughts, where I pursue the realities in Christianity through God's Word and different conversations. It is my confident belief that our views shape the way we live, so having views grounded in reality is super important. At the end of it all, it is my heart's deepest desire that you and myself would be seeking peace and joy in what Christ Jesus has done. Welcome back, everybody, to The Conversation. Um, it's Martin Trumbull here, your brother, again, um, and Caleb Bulow, as usual. Good to be back. Yeah, and uh, it's, been a, it's been a great week, fantastic week. We've both, well, one of us celebrated with our loved ones and family, and it was great, right, Caleb? Because <laughs> I didn't, I mean, he's the one who did it, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, it was a good time. Good time. It was a good time. Yeah. Spoke on, they had me speak up there and shared from Romans chapter 8 again. It's Ooh, uh, verse 28 again. or what? No, it was the first half of the chapter. Kind of uh, looked at walking according to the spirit versus walking according to the flesh. And that over the recent months, that has really become clear to me what he's talking about there. And it really, and so it's, and it was kind of a, a big help in my, I felt like in my Christian life, you know, because usually you have those ups and downs, spiritual up and downs, and this understanding what it meant to walk by the Spirit kind of really helped to level things out a lot for me. So it was fun to get Dang. up there and share that with them. How did, uh, did they like it? Did it connect with them, I you should know, say? It's, well, you know, it's northern Minnesota where we were at, and and people are fairly stoic. You know, you don't really <laughs> walk up and share all your feelings and stuff like that. But there was a couple of guys that seemed to really sincerely, you know, indicate that it was a, they really appreciated it. So I took that as a exuberant, abundant uh, joy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that sounds good. That's a super relevant, I was going to, I was going to say we should talk about prayer, but that's actually a really good topic too, because um, I know we've we've recorded a conversation along those lines before and never put it out um, for, for various reasons, but um, walking according to the spirit. Cause that's a really, man, maybe you should tell me about that because that was, I was, me and my buddy were trying to figure that out a couple months ago when we were no reading kidding. Galatians five and oh. we couldn't like, and you know, it's kind of what goes on in Galatians five. It, it tells us, what'll happen if we walk according to the spirit, but it doesn't oh, really right. like really give a concrete, this is, this is what it looks like to walk according to the spirit or like, this is what it is, like the definition of that phrase or whatever, what he means by that phrase. So yeah, I know. Like we, he, yeah, we he were does that. He'll say that in like Rome or somewhere in different passages, like even Romans 8, he talks about walking according to the spirit and it almost seems like he assumes like, you know what he means by that. And yeah, I struggled for a long time trying to understand what he was talking about. Yeah. And it like, our our understanding of the chapter and of the book kind of hinged on that, and we couldn't really figure it out. I think we got close, but it's like, uh, I don't know, because it's really appealing, especially when it when you say you know walk according to the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Yeah, that's super appealing to me like that's... and to my and to my buddy at the time. Like, we don't want to live according to our fleshly nature. We're sick of our 
sin and all the other, you know, nonsense. I mean, to be able to walk according to the spirit, whatever that means to have the result of the fruits of the spirit, you know, that peace and like having joy in our lives and free from sin and all yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. That sounds great. But like, what is it? And like, it, it, it also seems to be one of those phrases that is like kind of fog, like what its meaning is foggy in Christianity in general, because right. we have different people groups that are saying it looks like different things and you have more, um, more charismatic groups like saying it has to do with more kind of yes. out there sounding stuff. Right. And you have stoic you people who don't even mention it. And... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. I mean, when I would look, yeah. my brother and I, were, I think it was just my brother, and, you know, I was in, within my own family, my brothers and stuff, and my dad, we'd talk about this passage and remember my youngest brother, he was trying to figure out what does it mean to walk according to the spirit? Cause you, I mean, walking according to the flesh seems fairly clear. It seems like that would mean then that you'd be guided by your fleshly desires, you know, all those lusts or desires or whatever. And, and so. Well, could you, could you take a minute and break down the, the flesh really quick? Like, what do you mean by, because Paul talks about in Romans 8, which I'm sure you're going to actually get to, but like he talks about Roman 8 walking according to your flesh and in it, like in context of chapter seven, it sounds a lot like he's referring, like people are trying to do good things, like obey the law. And that is still walking according to your flesh. Like, how is that? Like, uh, how is that walking according to the flesh? You know what yeah. I mean? Well, like, I was just kind of obvious, like sleeping around is walking according to the flesh, but like even right. trying to do what's right. Right. Like it was. Cause like in Galatians, he talks about, uh, Doing the deeds of the flesh, I think is what he calls it. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see, what does he call it in chapter five or four or whatever? But this is what, I mean, what he, it seems like he talks about walk, walking according to the flesh in a couple of different ways. Like in Galatians, he says, if you walk uh, according to the flesh, oh, he says the works of the flesh are evident. It's adultery and fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, you know, all those evil things, wrath, selfish ambitions and everything. So, if you're going to walk according to the flesh, this is what you're going to, these are the works of the flesh. There's a difference. And, well, that's, so we, we looked at Romans 8 and we said, okay, so in Galatians, it's pretty clear that walking according to the flesh is that there's all these works of the flesh, all those wicked works. And so we assume that that's what that meant in Romans 8 then too, that to walk according to the flesh meant doing all these evil things. And so clearly there was problems with that. But, where we ran into issues is that we were trying to figure out if I'm, how do I know if when I do something, whether I'm work, walking according to the flesh or whether I'm walking according to the spirit, because what does it actually mean to walk according to the spirit? Does that mean you have some kind of a mystical guiding of some type that helps you to do what is right? Or does it just mean that whenever I do what is right, I'm walking according to the spirit and whatever I'm doing and what is wrong, I'm walking according to the flesh. But then isn't it possible to do good things while walking according to the flesh? Because isn't that what the Pharisees did? So we all confused. It was tough. Right. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, valid. Yeah. So, so we we struggled with it. And I'll, I'll just take you through what, you know, you know, kind of what the breakthrough was for me. I thought, well, all right. So he says, walk according to the Spirit. And I found that when I'm studying... Paul's writings, that it's helpful to take the word that I'm confused about and try to see where else he uses the word in that same epistle. And usually 
Mm-hmm. One of the first times he uses the word kind of lays the foundation then for the rest of the epistle. So I did that. I thought, well, where does he talk about the Spirit in uh, Romans? And I expected to find a lot of different passages that talked about the Spirit, but I was kind of surprised that uh, the first time he talks about the Spirit in Romans is in chapter 5. Like the first four chapters don't talk about the Spirit at all. And I think chapter 6 is pretty scarce on the Spirit. It was chapter 5 was where to first. So I flipped over there. I was looking at it, and it's right in the beginning of it. <clears throat> he basically says, let's see, verse In verse 5, he says, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And, yeah, that was it. It was right there. And I, and I thought about that for a while, and I thought, huh, the, what he describes the Holy Spirit doing is that the Holy Spirit, you know, like it's like he has a big bucket of God's love, and he kind of pours it into our hearts. I mean, he, obviously it's some... but it's it's obviously metaphorical in this and i think what he's saying you correct me if it sounds wrong but i think what what he's saying is that you know when love of god poured in your heart means that you are more fully aware it doesn't mean that god loves you more than what he did before it means that i am fully aware of god or more aware of god's love than what i was before like it's the reality of it is inside my heart it's not yo something mystical but it's like a full realization that well yeah, it's, it's god a tangible really loves thing me. that yeah, yeah like a and yo look at the beginning of the verse hope does not put us to shame right like it's a a real, yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not that deferred hope we were talking about before. Yeah, we I think on. we did that before the intro. Crap, I might have to, now I'm, I'm going to have to link that in. So just in case I don't, we were talking before, I forgot, I just, we just jumped right in basically before I did the intro. And uh, I brought up like, uh, we were talking about ho- holidays. And anyway, the ver- there's a verse in Proverbs, I think, that says uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's in Proverbs, yes? Yep, yep. Right? Yeah, yep. and I, and I was just thinking about that this last week. Like if you put your hope in something that is never going to, like you hope something will happen or someone will be a certain way, or, you know, you hope in something to uh, transpire, to happen, that will never happen. You're going to run out of hope basically is what Caleb said. Like you're going to get sick. Of, like your heart yeah, is I mean, you start to find out that there's the thing that you hope for you, there's no point in looking for it anymore because it's just not going to happen. It just right. kind of makes you sick. <laughs> Yeah, and like I can identify that super well in regard to relationships. But anyway, that that's a beside the point. So yeah, so that popping up here is really kind of funny. That's yeah, it cool. is kind of crazy. This hope does not put us to shame, right? Because it's a real thing. Like it's like it's a valid hope. It's something like what we put our hope in. Christ's love is going is there, and it, and it's, yeah, I think that's exactly. It but us. sometimes we lose sight of it. I mean, it's yeah. I think. For us in this physical world with, you know, our physical eyes, we, we can't actually see God showing love towards us like we can see mm-hmm. our parents, you know, when they just, we can look in their face and we can see that they love us. Well, we can't see God's face. And yet it's really, the love is really there. 
And it looks like it's the work of the Holy Spirit to make us fully aware of that love. Is what what I was seeing in this verse. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then looks about right. So then, as you go on, he says the thought continues. It's not like that's the end of the thought, but in verse six, he kind of develops it because he says, "For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly." And these are famous verses. You know, they talk about the magnitude of God's love towards us, or the magnitude of the of the love of the Lord Jesus towards us. Because for a righteous man, one would maybe die. Maybe for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, we're not good, we're evil, we're wicked. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And I thought about that context, you know, the love of God being poured in our hearts. And then these verses that talk about God loving us while we're still sinners. And I realized... When I realize that, that that happens often in my life, when I see that I'm a sinner and, and then realize all of a sudden that God loves me as a sinner, that's what this verse, this, that's what this passage is talking about. The Holy Spirit, uh, we know that part of his work is to convict us of sin or to show us our sin. Mm-hmm. But it's not just to make us feel guilty. It's to put God's love in the proper context so we can see the magnitude of God's love towards us and that when we were sinners, that's when he loved us. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I think you identify with that too. I think we've yeah. talked about that in the past. Yeah, it's like if nobody, yeah, it's like we talked about entitlement. Like if I feel entitled to God's love um, or I have that mentality or that heart position, then hearing that Jesus loves you like it, or I don't know, it just doesn't mean as much versus when you're in like, you're being the worst Christian ever. You're thinking the worst thoughts. You're treating people in the fakest way or the, or whatever. And like, and even God, you're like turning, like you're not, you're not as devoted to him as you should be. You don't love him like nearly as like you don't love him at like it's not comparable you just don't love him at all when you're the worst person ever when he says hey i still love you or like yeah you know that's man that's a love that is impactful exactly yeah and i think it's from according to what paul says here that's the work of the holy spirit is to make us aware of god's love when we're when we're seeing how terrible the sinners we are Mm mm-hmm and so it that being the first time that Paul talks about the Spirit in Romans 5 here uh, made me realize that that's what walking according to the Spirit is. It's to, you know, when he talks about walk, he's talking about living your life. And so your life before God that you're living, if you're going to live it according to the Spirit, that means you're going to live it according to this reality that the Spirit pours into your heart the reality of God's love. Um, I think we should talk about what it means to walk according to the flesh because when you put the contrast of the two up, then it really becomes... Yeah, I was just going to ask, what does it look like? But yeah, that would be a good... Um, yeah, good backer. The flesh, yeah. I think so, because... And that... It seems to me that's in chapter 7 where 
it really became clear to me what he was talking about walking according to the flesh. He, uh, he opens chapter 7 with kind of a metaphor, uh, something that we all can identify with, talking about a husband and wife relationship. And he focuses on the wife and talks about how she's bound to that husband as long as they live. I mean, it's as long as you live, as long as you're, yeah, once you're married, you're bound to each other till death do you part. And from the scriptural perspective, like Jesus told the Pharisees, like if you, you know, he's getting after him, if you divorce your wife just so you can find somebody else, even though legally you've broken the marriage, but the reality is, is that you're committing adultery because you're, you know, you're just setting your wife aside so you can go find somebody else. And so it's technically not adultery. Yeah, it is still adultery is what he's telling them. So anyhow, mm-hmm. he's drawing, Paul is drawing on that concept that married till death do your part. But once the death happens, uh, then you can go get married to somebody and it's there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you, you can go get married to somebody else and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the point he kind of drives that. If you're going to go uh, hook up with somebody else while your spouse is still alive, that's adultery, that's wrong. If you're going to hook up with somebody, you know, get married to somebody after your spouse has died, that's perfectly fine. So that's the point he's making, that death makes the difference. So then he, sa- then he applies the metaphor in verse 4. He says, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you, be, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So the strength of the metaphor comes in, rea- in the reality that the Jews were under the covenant of the law, right? And so they couldn't, they couldn't say, well, you know, I, I think I've, managed to achieve a good enough level of righteousness or or I'm sick of being under this law, so I'm going to quit. I'm just going to go. I'm going to annul myself from the law and I'm going to live life now however I want. They couldn't do that. Once you're under the law, you're under the law. You're till death do you part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he's saying, but in Christ, the death has happened. I mean, Christ has died in your place. And so now you're free from that law. Okay, so that's, it's that basic concept I think that we're pretty familiar with. Then notice in verse 5, he says, When we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to the death. What is he, you know, that's kind of a funny phrase to put in there, when we were in the flesh. Because even after you get saved, you still live in a body of flesh, right? Yeah. So, so he's not talking about just living in this body, but he's talking about when they were under the law, the law could only deal with their physical actions. The law couldn't judge their hearts. Mm. You know, other than covetousness, the law, even though it was wrong to hate your brother, as Jesus pointed out later, you know, in the Gospels, but the law didn't say anything about hating. It, it was designed so that you examine a person's actions. And if their actions didn't live up to the standard of the law, then that person would be condemned. I mean, because they were breaking the law. So it was, so he says, when we were in the flesh, in other words, when our relationship with God was based on our physical actions, 
because that's what the law was. You, the more you kept the law, the closer you were to God. The more you broke the law, the farther you were from God. So when it was based on your physical actions, and then he starts talking about the effects of that, like the sinful passions that were inside of us. You know, as soon as the law came and said, you can't do this, there's something inside me that said, well, I sure wish I could, or I sure <laughs> want to do that. You know, that's fairly typical, I think. <laughs> but he goes on to talk about how, uh, and he goes on to talk about that reality that we face whenever somebody tells us that you can't do something, that's the first thing that we want to do. Or like and, when somebody tells you to do something, you're like, well, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, exactly. You, like my mom would like, okay, I need you to wash the dishes. And you were like, and I was going to. It's like, oh, okay, now I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true that. And it's kind of a funny thing. Like, why is it like that? Why is it so hard for us to do what's right? But it is. Right. Yeah. And and that's one way that Paul uses the term flesh. Like, he'll talk about that part of us that struggles against, that fights against doing what is right. That That is a very fleshy part of us. But then he also seems to be talking about flesh in a different sense, in that the flesh is a very physical thing. And so if you're going to measure a person, a measure a person, <laughs> easy for me to say, you good if you're going to measure a person, you have to look at their actions because we can't see, you know, it's a very physical type of thing under the law. Mm-hmm. So what I real, what I, what I was realizing was that to walk according to the spirit means to live in that reality that the Spirit is constantly trying to show us, the reality of God's love towards us while we're sinners. And to walk according to the flesh meant to try to draw close to God by doing what is right and to measure your relationship based on how well you were uh, doing what is right or whether you were doing things that were wrong. Does that make sense? It's all clear in my head. Can you say the last part again? Okay, so walking according to the flesh would be uh, gauging my relationship with God, you know, how close I am, based on on uh, how well I'm doing what is right. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I'm obeying my mom, if I'm, if I'm not sinning through the day, then I'm close to God. But if I fail to do what is right, then I lose my temper or steal a cookie out of the cookie jar or whatever, then mm-hmm. that those sins, then that means that I'm distant from God. So gauging my relationship, the closeness of my, gauging the closeness of my relationship based on how well I'm acting. Okay. How well I'm yeah. keeping the law, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. So walking according to the flesh is a very physical-based thing. You look at what you do. And the better you perform, the closer you are to God is, is really what walking Because that's what it was like under the law. Hmm. The better yeah. they kept the law, the closer they were to God. And Paul is saying, no, you're dead to the law, so that uh, you shouldn't be walking according to the flesh. You shouldn't be basing, the, you know, basing your relationship on how well you're keeping the law. But we do. But we do. So... If you take that into chapter 8, now look what happens. He says, verse 1, There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, if I'm walking according to the flesh, that is, if I'm looking at how I'm 
I don't, I don't know if that's the right phrase to use, how I'm performing or how well I'm keeping the law. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking at how well I'm keeping the law, uh, I'm going to run into condemnation, you know, self-condemnation, if nothing else, because I don't keep the law very well. But if I'm walking according to the Spirit, then if I sin, uh, or when I sin, if I'm walking according to the Spirit, then I turn and look at the Lord Jesus Christ and see that he died for me while I'm a sinner. And that was God demonstrating his love towards me while I'm a sinner. And so then in that position, there is no condemnation. Hmm. There, there's relief because yeah, God true. loves me as, as a failure. So I don't think he's talking here in his verse of theory. I think he's just explaining the bare facts of the way it is. If you're going to gauge your relationship, you know, measure your relationship with God based on whether or not you're keeping the law of righteousness, you're going to find condemnation. But if you're walking according to the reality that God loves you while a sinner, then even when you sin, as soon as you turn your eyes back on the Lord Jesus as you're the one who died for you in your sin, uh, there, there's no condemnation there. I mean, it sounds so simple. Oh, that's so hard, though. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, is so is there a way to, like, how do we do that? How do we walk in the Spirit? Like, is there something we can do? Like, I, well, you just said that, like, living according to the flesh is to look at your performance or the keeping the law and all that. So that in mind, but is there, like, I, I want some, like, is there some sort of, applic- like, um... Yeah, is there, I, so, is there something I can do in my power to renew my mind in that, or like, right. or what, or or maybe not? Maybe I need, you know, what do I? Is there? Is there not? What do I? What I mean, do I obviously, it's the work of the spirit. You know, it's because it's walking according to the spirit. But that being said, it's not like the spirit just kind of sits there, and and then uh, kind of comes to, and he's like, oh, oh, hey, oh, by the way, God loves you. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> No, he's like always trying to show us that God loves us. He's, he doesn't just kind of, you know, fade off yeah. for a while and then come back once in a while. And he's always trying to show us that God loves us. And our problem is we don't always hear him. No, I was just going to say that that doesn't feel like it at all. No. Yeah, it's like he always is trying to show us God's love. We just don't always see it. Hmm. And so I I was, for a while, I was trying... Uh, well, one of the things that I found helpful was to just state the reality. I'd be sitting there having just blown it and all depressed and discouraged about it. And then I would, so I would say, well, here I am as a sinner and God loves me. He sent his son while I'm a sinner. That is true. That is fact. It doesn't feel like it's true. I don't see it, but it doesn't matter if I see it or not. It is true. And I know it's true because of, you know, the spirit has made that reality pretty clear to me. <laughs> you know, like, there's no, I don't know about you, but for me, there's no question in my mind at all that God sent his son for me as, as a sinner or, you know, sent yeah. his love, his son for me as a sinner. I don't know. You know what I mean? I hope. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, there's no question about that reality. That is so true. 
uh, even though sometimes I don't see it, I don't feel it. So I would just state the reality. Like, all right, here I sit in my sin. It's miserable. I feel miles away from God. But the reality is, whether I, whatever, no matter what I feel like, the reality is he loves me. While I'm a sinner, he sent his son to die for me. And sometimes just stating that truth did a lot to, uh, to restore the joy of, of being in the salvation of the Lord. So what about though, if you're like not, what if you haven't blown it? You're not sitting there feeling like you've blown it and you're just like, I just feel numb. Like I don't feel any life spiritually. I'm not necessarily, I know I'm a sinner. I'm not particularly upset about that because what else is new? You know, it's just, I, I feel far from God and like for me, I'm super busy these days. And so it's, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like I have enough time to process it, but whatever the, like, I don't feel as vibrant as I did, you know? And so like, I guess I have, I personally have like these like moments when I start to thinking about it too much, I just kind of come back on my lock screen. I have like the gospel that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And I look at that and it's like something about, because keeping the con like, man, I am a sinner and here I am. And I feel super apathetic, but, doesn't matter how I feel. The reality is Jesus loves me. And that is like, gives me, I don't know. I just go on and, and I find myself at peace later. But uh, I guess I just answered my own question. Dang it. Well, that's there... good. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, that's the way you describe that is like exactly the way it seems to work for me. Like if I'm, if I sit there and I say, okay, here I am kind of discouraged or whatever, I'm down the dumps. All right, I'll quote this truth. God loved me when I was a sinner, right? Where's the joy? Joy, joy. No, no joy. Where's it? How come the joy is taking so long? Listen up, them. All right, let me try again. God commended his love towards me while I was a sinner. Joy is an joy. Where's the peace? You know, it's just like if I'm looking, <laughs> if I'm looking for that peace and, and trying to see, watch it, you know, come or whatever, it, it's, it just doesn't seem to come. But the way yeah. you described it is like you look at the truth and put it there into your mind and then move on. And that, that's happened to me a lot. Is like it just kind of pops If up. I just kind of rest in that truth, the peace kind of comes from behind or something. Like I don't see it coming, but all of a sudden there it is. And it's, but if I'm looking for the peace itself or the joy itself, then I just get frustrated. Yeah. That's so true. It's weird. I don't know if it's just learning to get out of the way and let the spirit do his work or whatever, but probably, I mean, it happens. I've noticed it a lot at night, you know, cause being older now, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night and then I start thinking about stuff and then I can't go back to sleep. So then I don't, and I want to be able to go back to sleep. So then I pray and as and start just praying to the Lord and and I watch for that sleep to come. And of course, then I just get more awake and more tense because it's not, I'm not falling asleep. <laughs> but if I just pray, and usually what I do is I pray the things from the Lord's Prayer, like, uh, our, you know, Father in heaven. I usually say, like, may your name be hallowed in my life. Like, and then what I'm thinking is, like, you know, uh, work in my heart so that I can 
see you for who you are, that I can fear you like Abraham did when he went to offer his son up on the altar. Uh, God said, now I see that you fear me. You know, like really get a sense of who you are, you know, work in that, to bring that out. And, and may your kingdom come like your, your rule of that produces that joy and peace and righteousness. May that come and be established in my heart and may your will be done in my life. And, you know, just kind of these good things that Jesus told us to pray that is, I think about them like, you know, this is, I do want these things in my life. And as I'm looking and then I just kind of fall asleep. Hmm. It's, it's really, if I'm focused on the sleep, I don't usually fall asleep, but if I'm focused on this, uh, good things that God wants for me, that's, I mean, Jesus, it wasn't my idea for God's will to be done in my life. It's a good thing. I, you know, it would have been a good thing to think of. It was actually Jesus idea. He said, Hey, you should be praying for this. This is what we want to do for you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that'd be great. And, and but anyhow, as I'm, as I'm praying those things, it sometimes sleep just catches me unaware and I just, and I find the same kind of thing, I guess, like you described, you know, when you're, you put the reality in your mind, you appreciate the reality, and then all of a sudden there's joy. And where'd that come from? I don't even know. There it is. <laughs> I've had that happen before. Yeah, me too. I'm finding it's a learning process. It's not step one, two, three, this is going to solve all your problems. It's a, here's a goal in mind. I want to learn to walk according to the spirit and not be so caught up with how I'm performing. And that's a, that's a lofty goal. I think it's a lifelong pursuit. Um, but you, <laughs> it's one of those pursuits that, you know, as you pursue it, you, it, it's not completely out of your reach, but you get a strong taste of it. And yet you can see there's still more room to grow. Yeah. Man, I w and I was thinking not necessarily in relation to this specifically, but uh, earlier today I was driving and I was thinking about how when we pursue the things of the Lord, then um, usually when I pursue the things of the Lord or like these realities or Him, I don't obtain Him, but I mm. find that I fall short. But then He like shows Himself to me and He pours His love into my heart and He like and He does the work. But if I had not pursued him, then I, my oh. eyes wouldn't be open to it. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And I, it's a balance I've tried to understand because it's like so clear to me, like in the scriptures, but also then in, in my own life, that it's been the Lord who's worked in my heart. Yeah. And I'm like very grateful for that. And I long for his working in my heart. But I've also noticed when there's no, like when there's no pursuit, when I'm not trying to seek after him, my eyes are closed to his work in my life. And I just... And I miss out on the benefit, like, on the benefit of just watching him work. You know, he's going to work whether I see it or not, but I just, it's so, um, what's the word, like. I could be, I mean, like, you almost miss out on life. <laughs> yeah, like, the, it's this experience of seeing him, like, at work in my life, and I don't know what that, like, it's, it's comforting. It's comforting, like, but if my eyes are closed to it, it's like, I mm. don't know, so. You put See, that really Jim? well. That's that's really good. Thanks, man. I tried. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess seek him. See yeah. if he'd be working in our hearts and in our lives and pursue him. 
because yeah. like if you because in my experience like like when i'm pursuing him i find like if i'm honestly pursuing him then i find that i fall short yeah and within for that sure. context of knowing that i can see that he loves me or he can show mm. me he loves me anyway right and and, and that's comforting dishonestly yeah for real that's yeah yeah and if somebody's like dishonestly seeking him you know what i mean like not oh i've tried him it. with their whole heart yeah <laughs> me too like then it seems like you don't you get this delusional idea that oh i am like i'm doing what i ought to do yeah I'm fine and it lasts for a little while but it doesn't yeah. have longe- longevity and it's not as satisfying especially when you've tasted like his working in your life right when you go back to your working in your life it just is it isn't the same yeah but for sure for sure yeah but to somebody well, i guess who hasn't tasted what he's doing in their life then maybe their own work is satisfying anyway, that's a side note but yeah what were you gonna say no i was just saying that was yeah uh, i agree that's that's true valid facts some real talk with caleb and martin good stuff okay let's end it there all right sounds good have a good evening y'all <laughs>